When I was asked as a kid, what do I want to be when I grow up? I said, I want to be a photographer. I said that because photographer was a big word and I wanted yeah. to seem impressive. <laughs> Welcome to Profession Session with Brody Vincent. Got my guest Eli Elmore here. Eli, thank you so much for being here. Good to be here, man. This is awesome. Absolutely. I see you guys filming all the time, so it's cool to be part of it. Yeah, yeah. The studio is really coming along. This is Andy Varnes' studio, Varnes Media, that we're recording in. He's got all the stuff up on the walls now. We've got the live sign in the background behind Eli. <laughs> and uh, things are looking good. We sound like a real podcast. This is exciting. Absolutely. Well, Eli, I wanted to have you here today because you've got a very unique story from the last couple of years. I wanted to kind of dig into that, talk about what you've been up to. It's, uh, I've got to say, I don't really know anyone doing it the same way. So I think it'd be really interesting to get into it. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, which part of the story do you want to hear? So let's start with, I feel like a lot of it is kind of through the lens of your photography. So let's start with how you got into photography in the first place, how that became a hobby of yours and eventually sure. something that kind of tied into your work. I love that. Um, so I started in 2015. Uh, I went. I was volunteering at a youth camp. I said in Tampa, Florida. It's called Word of Life. Um, cool. And at this youth camp, I... My job was to take photos, and I, I didn't, they didn't trust me with the camera for the first year, so they just gave me a GoPro. <laughs> but yeah. I would use a GoPro like on the tubing events, paintball, like all these different events, like rock wall. Cool. I got to use my energy to kind of capture videos and photos, and um, that kind of like influences me to this day, using my energy to capture in a different way. What do you mean by that, using your energy? I've never heard that. Well, like, like I'm very, like, I'm extroverted, and I also, mm -hmm. like, I bounce around a lot. I move around, yeah. like, during this podcast, you're going to see me move around a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I get excited, and that's what I want like to do. Mm -hmm. like during a photo shoot, I really don't like photo booths because I just kind of stand there and take photos and say cheese. I don't like that. I like to capture events or to go on a photo shoot with someone like one on one or in a group setting, and we're all kind of having a good time capturing and creating memories. So I like right. to use my energy to influence my photography. I like that. So kind of match the energy of what's going on and bring the energy up so that everyone's having a good time. I feel like you'd catch a lot of really good candid stuff that way. Is that oh, yeah. kind of part of the goal there? Well, when I learned photography for the first three years of like, for the first three years, for the first four years, I didn't have a camera. I just used the camera that was closest to me. And sometimes mm -hmm. that volunteer job provided me one. Gotcha. And when I was in the, at that camp, it was a Christian camp and it's a week long camp, overnight camp. And every, it was nine weeks throughout the summer. And each week was a different age group or a different group of kids. And our goal was, as photographers and videographers, were to capture the, the, like, the week of those kids. Mm -hmm. And, like, what they were going through, what they did, what they were experiencing. And the, the photography, like, would go to their parents. Then the kids, we were looking at, at the end of the week, um, they go on Flickr and they find all their photos. But Cool. Yeah. I feel like capturing, uh, you know, bringing the energy, you probably capture the feeling of the event really well. Kind of really tie into what everyone's going through and capture that in a meaningful way. Oh, absolutely. Well, like the thing is like, not only was I capturing like the fun times they were having and, and all these events, but like at the w middle of the week, um, yeah, at the middle of the week during the camp services, they had a campfire service and um, it was a really meaningful night for a lot of these kids. And it was a, it's, it's a Christian camp and mm -hmm. we're all about ministry. And at this campfire service, we talk about the gospel. We talk about salvation. We talk about community and accountability. 
And a lot of kids make decisions on these campfire nights. And the photos that we take and the videos we take of these nights, like all behind the scenes, we don't ever get in a kid's face when he's like praying or throwing a stick in the fire. Like we get like, right. we're kind of off back of the scenes taking the videos and photos and it helps those kids relive those moments as they watch that video or as they see those photos at the end of the week. Which is a huge moment in their life. Oh yeah, and so. I, I had the same experience. Like when mm -hmm. I was 12 years old, like I gave my life to Christ and like someone captured that, like at that camp at that right. same moment. And I, I still look, I remember that photo. Something you always have, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. That's super cool. So, so this is kind of when you're first getting into it, that's kind of your entry point into the space, right? What did the next few years look like for you, like getting into photography a little bit more? Did you just start kind of finding more opportunities to, to use your skills and develop them? For sure. Um, I, I went to, the, I was studying business for a long time and I wanted to go into that. I wanted to actually own my own chain of gyms. That was my, oh, cool. Okay. That was my goal, like out of high school, but yeah, um, I know you're super into fitness. Well, my, my kind of took a bit of a turn was called my, my senior year of high school. Like I had a big scare oh. and, um, was called almost lost my life over doing something very silly. Really? And, okay. Yeah. And then I decided, I was like, you know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to die, let it be for the Lord and not for my own personal gain. And so I, I kind of gave up that, that, that business stream and I wanted to make an impact instead in a gotcha. more positive way. And so I actually went to a Bible school in Tampa and then a second year in upstate New York. And then I did photography during both of those years and helping on the creative arts ministry team. And that influenced me in the way of like, I kept wanting to create and capture people's stories. So at this point, was it to you, was it more of a hobby still, or was it something that you were starting to see as like a, a viable kind of career path for you now that you had kind of changed directions a little bit? I've only really been getting compensated fairly for the past two years, if that. Yeah. So there's a lot of building up to that point. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, um, when I came and took a break, because we'll talk about it later, but I was overseas for the past two years. Mm -hmm. But when I took a break um, in the middle of those two years for about a month to come visit family, like I was able to raise some money through photography. And that was the first time I actually made enough money to I didn't needed a, I didn't need a second job or a main job. Gotcha. And it, so it finally felt like an actual job it where did. you were like making a legitimate income that could get you by. For sure. And I've been taking portraits and I've been doing a lot of like events for a very long time. However, I wasn't being compensated correctly for it, I would say, mm -hmm. like in the term of like I wasn't making a living off of it. I was more making a, a side hustle. I was I was able to buy more gear. That's all the money did. But now I'm actually able to like financially be secure in that. That's awesome. I mean, it must feel really good to get to that point. Eventually. Oh, it's a blessing. I feel like I'm doing what I love and I don't think it's a job at all. That's, I feel like that's the goal, right? You wanted to be doing something where it never feels like work. It's you're energized by your work and you're going to bring that energy into your work as a result of it. Absolutely, man. That's great to have. So, so by this time you're kind of, you're getting to the point where you're being compensated a little bit fairly. You mentioned you were overseas for a couple of years. I kind of want to get to that because that's a very unique story. I feel like that I'd like to go over in depth. So was that one trip that was over the two years? So it, it was a, it's called CCI cross-cultural internship. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't so much an internship as it was like I was a, I was a missionary overseas. Like I was mm -hmm. doing full-time ministry. Um, the goal was to have us in school as well as doing, um, as well as being participating in the ministry and the cultural experience. However, it was very difficult to balance on the creative side of photography, learning the language of Portuguese, which was, I was in Portugal, learning the language of Portuguese and also um, being involved in schooling. So mm -hmm. like learning, being involved in the culture, photography, language and schooling. Was Juggling a lot of different things. Yeah. And I, I, I decided like, well, it, it was a bit of a misunderstanding like with myself and the organization, but we decided to not do the schooling aspect of it and just to be fully involved in the um, 
in the cultural aspect. Gotcha. The, why the missionary side of it. My basically. goal. My goal was to be involved in the culture. I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to be involved. I yeah. Didn't, I didn't really want to be in my room doing schooling. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So you wanted to go all in. What was the the main kind of goal of this mission? Because I know on a mission trip, typically there's some kind of mission that it's centered around. There's like a, a goal for the mission, typically, right? Mm-hmm. What was the main goal with this mission in particular that you were on? Um, so in the end, though, I, the gospel is like, we want to share the gospel. We want right. to be involved with ministry. We want to be reaching people for the Lord. Um, my goal specifically, like in my talents, was to use what I was, like, I've been blessed with and what I can bring to the table in terms of videography and photography. Mm-hmm. I wanted to teach that. I wanted to capture stories. I wanted to help other missionaries and other people on the field with their newsletters, with, with telling their stories virtually. Very I, cool. I, I went right in the middle of COVID. Um, I, I was, oh, yeah, that's true. I went, in 20, I went in June of 2020, and I was blessed with a visa. I had a European visa. Like I got in the middle of like the pandemic when it was starting. Wow. And I don't know how that How'd happened. you swing that? Was there a lot of hoops to jump through? The organization I was going through like have a, has a really good connection gotcha. with a lot of people there, which is a great thing to have. And they helped me get a visa. I went overseas. So for the first two months, a lot of people were afraid of Americans, so I really didn't see very many people. <laughs> but um, yeah. that was also a little yeah. bit of an eye-opener because I'm very extroverted. I love talking. And not only did these people like not really want to speak to, like, well, they were also in quarantine, but they didn't really want to speak to an American. But also I... Didn't understand the language in the first place. Gotcha. So, so just a lot of a lot of kind of coming up against something you weren't used to, like probably kind of a culture shock, I would guess, right? In a big way. It was also like a, a personality shock as I had to realize like, okay, I'm used to feeding off people, but I need to learn how to be comfortable with myself and like in my own thoughts and in my own self. I was one of those yeah. guys who couldn't even, I couldn't even drive in the car like in silence because I, yeah. like, I didn't like thinking that much. I had like listen to music or... Yeah, I don't know, someone to distract myself. That's interesting. So what did what did that look like, kind of making that shift for you? Like teaching yourself to kind of feed off more internal a little bit when you need to and being able to balance that? Like you said, like I've always kind of been like in the like the exercise, like what's called like mindset. And mm-hmm. um it's really hard not to like travel throughout Portugal and like and not to like because I would go on runs and walks and the gyms were all closed there, so I would have to go on runs and walks and I listened to um, podcasts and music, and that was a good way of me just kind of like being okay with not confiding in other people for my strength. Like I had to be able to find my strength, and it sounds really cliche, but like within me, but also mm-hmm. within Christ. Yeah, like together. And so I would go with podcasts and music through these mountains, these beaches, these amazing different valleys, like that Portugal has to offer. And it was just so hard, like not to like get alone in my thoughts. Because it's just right there. Like, I can just think about all this that was created, all this that is around me. So while you were doing that, kind of going through that and taking a lot of those hikes and stuff, were you trying to capture a lot of that through photography as well? Did you get a lot of good pictures? I would imagine, I mean, going beaches and countrysides, you would see a lot of unique stuff, especially in a new country. Yeah, maybe we can share some here. That's okay. Yeah, absolutely. I like snap this photo. Yep. This I'll one. put something up. <laughs> some, like, little Maybe a couple of your favorite ones. Yeah. yeah, we can put some in here. I love sure. that. Sure. Yeah, just send me some. Yeah, but there, there is some like, absolutely, like, I was blown away. And there's so many opportunity in Portugal. Like, Portugal is the surf capital. Like, it is, it was amazing to get involved with, like, the World Surfing League. We used Did to, you get into surfing while you were there? I did. Nice. The thing is, we're very close to Nazare. And Nazare is known for its gigantic waves. Uh, okay, okay. Because there's, there's a very, it's a very interesting science behind it. But there's a trench um, that goes right beside Nazare. Is like 
has a peninsula that kind of goes out a little bit. Mm -hmm. And the water comes in from the west, um, the currents, and then the current also comes in from the north, and it kind of creates this humongous like set of waves. It only happens in the in the winter months. But when I say humongous, I mean about a 101-foot wave. Wow. Like the biggest wave surfed in the world on, like, on shore was surfed there. Wow. Did you surf anything crazy like that? I surfed a three-foot wave. Yeah, that sounds like <laughs> that sounds more entry-level than 100 feet. I mean, yeah. Three-foot waves are pretty big. You can't, I like, know, I know. get your way, but like, like that alone, I was... I got more and more comfortable with it, but the mm. community there is like a lot more welcoming. I, I mean, I went, yeah. here, I went here to Jack's Beach to go surfing once and only four of us were in the water, but everyone seemed so competitive over one wave. And I was like, it's, this is a two foot wave. Why are you yeah. fighting me for this? You can have I've, it. I've heard that surfing can be like that, where everyone's just very vicious about their spot. And if you're like, if you're encroaching in their territory at all, people get pissed. Portugal is so interesting too, because you're, t- you're not actually allowed it. Well, it's a it's more of an unspoken rule, but it's spoken. It's um you can't really teach photo- like surfing unless you're a certified surf instructor. Okay, what does that look like? Cool. Getting that certification? Um, we have some of our people at our camp that teach it, and they okay. offered it to us for awesome. free or for a low cost. Very cool. And it, it just it's all it is a whole course you go through in order to get it. Cool. But yeah, it's awesome. You get to get have such amazing conversations in the water. I mean, imagine yeah. you're out there waiting for a wave to happen, and while you're doing that, like you have a student on the board, and you're in the water, kind of like. What, I don't know, floating, and then yeah. you push. This, like you're talking to the student before the wave comes. It's it's a really cool opportunity to have. It's a very kind of euphoric time too. I've done it just a little bit. I mean, I, I don't do it regularly, regularly or anything. But I've gone out a couple times, and I mean, just being out there in the open ocean, just with a, a few cool people. It's a, it's a very euphoric, exciting time. So it makes a lot yeah. of sense. And there's some of the most beautiful sunsets I've ever seen in the world. Where Portugal. In Portugal. Oh my goodness. So what was what were some of your favorite parts about Portugal and being there? You mentioned like a, a couple of cultural things and the beautiful kind of scenery that you saw. What were maybe some other favorite things that you mentioned or that you experienced? Well, I got really into the um, I, I mean, the cultural side of things was really nice to get into. Uh, I learned the language like I hated it for the first like. Eight, it's eight a difficult months. language, right? It's, oh, yeah. It's, it's different than Spanish. It's a lot more like. It's like almost like a German Spanish, if you will. Okay. It's, it's a very interesting like use of words, but I, I mean, I, I do love it now. I love the language, and I, I mean, I've always loved the people. Mm-hmm. But I would say like, and it's very cliche again, but the people were my like were, were my bread and butter. Like that's what I yeah. love to be around. And I, I, my job, my job consisted of being involved in ministry, and that was almost up to me in some ways. But mm-hmm. I wanted to be involved in a local church, and through that, I met three boys um, there who I really, really got along with. Nice. Um, their names were um, Maxime, Jesus, and Maxime again. Um, two Maxims, <laughs> both from Ukraine. And these these boys, we all connected through ping pong at, at, nice. the, lo- at the local church. And then um, after that, they all wanted to get more into the fitness side of things. Oh, cool. They're, they're still exercising to this day. So I was just on the phone with one of them earlier. But um, yeah, these these guys like are really picking up. And then I actually I started discipling them and teaching them my how I do how, to, how I do photography. Very cool. So this kind of became like a mentor mentee relationship for you. It did, and it was it was a blessing because like I mean I saw them also like as mentees, but I they were like very close friends of mine. They were hilarious, and they were just really like all about like all about being involved. And it was mm-hmm. awesome to be like part of their journey through, especially through camp. Because when yeah. we had summer camp come, eventually we actually had students come out because the COVID. Um, regulations like slow down a little bit during the summer right. camp most recent one mm-hmm. and we had a great summer camp i mean these these boys did amazing at doing their photography and videography alongside me that's awesome blessing so you're kind of getting to teach what you love and 
go through the lens of the ministry at the same time. It sounds like a really good kind of marriage of like the, the two passions that you have. Oh yeah. And I think that's what like, I mean, you go right at, like the topic of like life and how we should be living life. It's you, you, you want to use what you've been blessed with and what you're good at for your purpose. Mm-hmm. Like you don't want to keep your eyes off your purpose. Like, Absolutely. My goal is to keep my purpose as my priority and I'm going to make sure my passion goes along with my purpose. I mean, it will because that's my purpose, but yeah. I love that. So on the, on the note of Portugal again, um, I actually just got back from a out of the country trip and I had a lot of crazy things happen, a lot of culture shock. What are some of maybe some crazy stories that you had in Portugal where it was just like very, like very like off the beaten path kind of moments, culture shock moments, anything like that, that you, that really resonated with you? Um, they're very honest. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I, I like that. It was really funny that we had a Brazilian girl. Her name was Flavia, and she um we would go, all go on like trips and hikes, and we had a really good time like together, like adventuring and mm-hmm. being in ministry together. Um, but Flavia, she I remember one of the first times we met, like the first time, she called out two things on me. She, she well, the main one is like she's like look, she's like oh Eli, you have little porquinhos. I was like, what does that mean? She says you have little pig fingers. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I was like, Thank you. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I just met this woman. Yeah. Just, she was calling my fingers little pig fingers. Yeah. She said, no, they are, they are, they're fofo. They are cute. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> cool, cool. <laughs> so they're just very like speak their mind, like mm. very open, honest kind of thing. They are. That's cool to experience though. I mean, that it, we're not necessarily very much that way in America. So, I mean, it's, that had to be kind of a, a shock, but I, I could see that being kind of a positive shock. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was... And a good learning experience, probably. It was hard coming back to, though, like coming mm-hmm. back to the States, because, I mean, a lot of people do beat around the bush on a lot of issues. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm st- I'm, I've been spending two years of people who bring up the issue right then and right there yeah. and address it there. I can tell you this. Yeah. It's an amazing thing to see. So that was a big cultural yeah. shock coming back to the States, was gotcha. seeing people beat around the issue instead of getting right to the center of it. Did you find yourself becoming more that way, more kind of just about addressing the issue on the spot just as a result of being around that so much. Yeah. And my, my goal was to like have like intentional conversation. So I like I, that. It, it always like somewhat has been, um, ever since college, especially when I, I did, I was an RA my first year and like my goal was always been like to have intentional like moments when we needed to talk about something. Yeah. But like throughout the years, it's also changed to be more like respective, I, I'm, well, sorry, respectful, more respectful and more, more kind of my words when I'm being that kind of um, that kind of straightforward guy, like in bringing up the topic or the issue. Uh, but no, like in my photo shoots, that's actually what I adapt to my, photo, my photography as well is I like to have raw conversations. So I like to have real conversations. I like to get into it. I like to talk about real subjects or real things going on. Now I'm not going to like, I'm not going to like, on, your, on our first photo shoot, I'm not going to bring up abortion. I'm not going to bring up like something right. crazy. I'm more yeah. going to talk. What I like to do is I like to talk about love first. I like that. We're kind of getting off topic a little bit, but yeah. No, no, I like this because, I mean, this is this is really your craft. So I wanted to get deep into like the the specifics of how you do your craft and how that looks for you. I mean, I feel like that really shapes, I mean, for you, the product of what you're creating is your photos. So I want to talk about how you get that product, what the process behind it is. And it's interesting to to hear that it's just, it's very much about getting raw emotions to come up and getting into that deep space. For sure, for sure. It's it's definitely led to a lot of amazing conversations. And most of my shoots that are planned for an hour or an hour and a half, 
don't last an hour or an hour and a half. Like my longest shoot, um, which was only supposed to be 30 minutes long, turned into about six hours. Wow. Like it wasn't, we didn't shoot the whole time. What mm-hmm. we did was like, we went to, we went to a, um, it was downtown Jacksonville just to take some photos some lifestyle events. Mm-hmm. And um, it was with a woman and she had recently been um, abused by her boyfriend. And she ended up talking to me like about a lot of things she's going through and like, she was almost seeking counsel at first, and then she was like clearly seeking counsel, like on certain things. And gotcha. It was a blessing because like photography gave me an into a good conversation. Like that's one of my. I, yeah. I have two slogans I live by with my photography. It's um the camera connects me to a good conversation. I like that. And then also um photography is my profession and people are my passion. So these go together. Like my, my goal, I wouldn't do photography if people weren't involved. Yeah. That's one of the reasons. I mean, I love animals, but I don't really do animal photography. And I love events, but I won't do an event unless I can go around and speak to somebody. Like, Animals are not the best conversationalists, unfortunately, as no. great as they are. <laughs> <laughs> when I was in Portugal, I did some animal photography, but nothing. It was mostly because no one else was around. <laughs> are, what is the wildlife like there? Is it anything super unusual compared to what we're used to here? Or believe, was it? believe it or not, they have no sharks, and we're, they're on the Atlantic really. Ocean. So it's nice to go surfing in some of these waves and, and not I, have to worry about there's it. There's no like, I mean, there's there's um urchins and stuff on the mm-hmm. floor. I never encountered one, but there was like a and I, I surfed a lot and I, I was in the water a lot. Never encountered an urchin, but they had a lot of um. They had like almost no sea left that I saw that was like harmful. What about the man of wars? The Portuguese man of wars are those. I've heard that there's like a, a particular kind of man, the jellyfish, like the Portuguese man of war I've heard is like one of the more vicious ones, but I don't know if they're, cause there's Portuguese influence in Brazil as well. I don't know if they're more from Brazil or more from Portugal. That's a good question. I never encountered one and I never even heard of one. Oh, really? I'm, I've heard of it. I've heard of it before, but I don't mm-hmm. think I never, when I was there, the name never came up. That's good. Unless it was <laughs> Portuguese and I didn't understand it at the time, <laughs> but like, if it is, I think it's seasonal, and I think it's also like based off location. Gotcha. Okay. Portugal is about the size; it's smaller than Florida. Like it's a. It's, oh, is it really? It's a smaller I didn't country. Realize that. Okay. And it, it it goes um, you can. I mean, I think you can travel up and down in about six hours. Wow. Okay. Like it's it, the whole country, and it's mostly along the coast, right? Like pretty much entirely along the oh, coast, yeah. like on the um the west side of Spain, right? Exactly. So we have the most um western point in um in Europe. On our side, okay. It's called um. What is going to give me now? I knew I know what the name is. It's near Praia do Ursa, which means bare rock, mm-hmm. um, or sorry, bare beach. And no, it, it's a, it's most southern, it's most western point in all of um, Europe, and it's a very popular destination. But that was really fun too. It was like watching the sunset instead of watching the sunrise, like I'm used to in Jacksonville. Yeah, it was a different feeling. I really really enjoyed it because people would all get together in a community way and watch the sun, sunset. We would like play frisbee or football and we would we play around a lot with that. Yeah, it's gotta be a different experience because we're used to, I mean, we get fantastic sunrises. You get to see it come up over the water, but I mean, when the, when the sun's setting in Florida, it's kind of just going over whatever the closest thing that you can, or the furthest thing that you can see is, but you get to see it go all the way over the water. Mm-hmm. A, a sunset is a beautiful thing. Oh, for sure, for sure, and the weather's so nice there too. I mean, we, what was it like there? We have we have winds, we, uh, obviously, but we don't have a lot of humidity. And even during the summer, like it feels like a really nice, like either spring or fall day here in like Florida. It, it's just such a good. And we we also live in the mountains. We live in this beautiful part. Oh, because so you have some mountains and some beaches in Portugal. Oh, you have everything in Portugal. That's awesome. You have many deserts, many jungles. You have wow. huge valleys, like well, sorry, deep valleys and huge mountains, like. I use my hands to show you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, no, like it, it is an extremely like well put together country. I mean, not that they put it together, but like, yeah, it's really, you awesome. just get a lot of interesting scenery all in one small place. Oh it's yeah. Pretty cool. And it's really no, well known for its, um, 
Ooh, for its wine, it has really good wine in the Douro Valley, which is up north, and okay. also its cork. So, like, we use to put on top of the wine bottles, like, yeah. the cork capital of the world. So. Really? Okay. I would have never guessed that. Like, a lot of natural cork there? Out of the trees. And so, the, one of the women who, like, it was called, I was saying goodbye to, she gave me a cork tie. So, like, they make everything out of really? cork, too. So, huh. it's a traditional, like, Portuguese thing. Like, they have a lot of things with cork in them, too. Okay, that's cool. And olive oil. Olive oil, wine, and cork. That's right there. I've heard that about, like, about Spain and Portugal. Like, just mm-hmm. huge on olive oil. I know, um... I was in a, a Spanish-speaking country recently in the Canary Islands, and there was just they would have olive oil on every single table. I mean, mm-hmm. for everything, like they they put it on everything. Yep, it's great. A lot of fresh citrus as well. There's a lot of fresh fruits. I mean, we have like there's farms all up and down. There's a lot of strawberry farms, blueberry areas. Like it's really cool to see, and they're all they're all very like inter, inter, clean energy. So mm-hmm. they have a lot of windmills and a lot of good a lot of good stuff there. I'm That's really, great. I love that. So do you foresee yourself going to any different countries, like in your journey of ministry, like kind of going forward? Are you thinking about what that might look like now, or do you see yourself here for a while? My, my goal is to, imp- to influence and impact people. We're not promised tomorrow, and that's mm-hmm. one of the things I like to live by. Um, I do want to make sure I'm establishing relationships um, and that I am establishing good relationships, but like I, I also want to make sure that I'm able to impact those who I can, and mm-hmm. hopefully those things go hand in hand. Um, but I want to take, I want to revisit, um, Portugal here pretty soon. I'll be trying to go back there for about two weeks in August. Awesome. I, I go to the, um, Virgin Islands next month. Oh, cool. Okay. And then I'm trying to go to Puerto Rico, um, a month after that. So there's a few plans in the making. Um, but yeah, it's been, uh, so I, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this on podcast, but I'm, I'm not vaccinated. And, oh yeah, that's fine. Yeah. One of the, one, yeah. Of the, one of the issues behind that was like the, commu- the communication and confusion a lot with like through the Portuguese government and the United States government mm-hmm. and what was allowed and what wasn't like qualified. And when you got like a U S vaccination, like they still made you get a lot of other stuff done in Portugal if you want to do anything. Gotcha. So I was like, I don't really want to like get two vaccinations. <laughs> so I was yeah. like, how about just getting under either of them? Because it's not necessary right now, at least. Mm-hmm. Me. I think they've lifted a lot of restrictions. Oh, it's, it's it differs sense. from country to country, but... When, when did they lift mask restrictions here? I think a couple of days ago, actually. Because I, I actually came back into the country at the beginning of this week on Sunday. It's, uh, it's Friday today. Um, I came back on Sunday of this week and... The mask mandate was still up, but I heard that it was lifted literally a couple of days ago. Hmm. So the tide is shifting a little bit. Well, I mean, more about Florida. When did we like release restrictions in Florida? Oh, oh, this would have been, I want to say, maybe a year ago, something like that. It's been a while now for Florida. I mean, Florida's we're wild. I know. <laughs> well, Portugal just this morning, I read something like with their news that they just lifted it all. So it's not, okay. It's not obligatory now unless you're in like a unless you're in retirement at yeah. home or something like necessary for it. But they just lifted the restrictions, like, just this morning. So it'll be a lot easier going back, probably. A lot less hoops to jump through. It also shows you, like, how much, how differently, like, COVID was, like, perceived around the world. And in Portugal, it was very difficult, like, what's, like, to get along with it. I mean, I bought my first mask to get on the plane to Portugal. And then I really didn't take it off until I came back. It was just, like, it was required everywhere there all the time kind of thing. Unless, like, I mean, when I was out jogging, I had a mask in my pocket. Mm -hmm. Just in case case. I needed to go any, if I needed water to use the restroom, like, anywhere, I had a mask just in case. But, like... If I'm walking in the streets of Portugal, like not running but walking, I need to wear a mask. Wow, wow. Yeah, the wearing one outside thing is, that's the part that really got me a lot of times. It's just a very shocking thing. And you see that in some places and not others. I mean, in Florida, that was never really 
like a, a thing that people would do, but a lot of other places did. Mm-hmm. Now, the people are very respectful, though. They really respect mm-hmm. their elders. They really respect their country and what they had to say, and I love that. That's a nice thing to see. I mean, that's a, another thing that I feel like you don't get as much of in America mm-hmm. where, like, you just got a, a lot of positive cultural attributes that you get to see going to different countries like that. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's there's distractions, don't get me wrong there, like with, like, their government and what they're thinking about. Mm-hmm. But, like, however... It's not the same as like here, like whenever like the Will Smith slap happened, like everyone kind of forgot about Ukraine for like a week and a half. And I was like, yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, as someone who participates with media and is responsible for creating media Mm -hmm. content, you can see how often like all the time, like how we people are using media content to distract real world problems and from a lot of things that are going on right now. That's a really interesting kind of sidebar. What are what are some things that you do to kind of mitigate that? Because that's a really big problem for a lot of people right now is like getting distracted with things in the media. And I feel like we're everyone just as a whole, like the world, I mean, people are having to get more savvy on how to kind of control their interest in media and, and make sure that it's not harming them and that, and that, you know, the things that are being used for manipulation in media are not having a negative influence on you. What is, what is your perspective on that being in the space of, of content and media? Well, my job now is with 904 Happy Hour, and what I do is I help them create content, and my goal is to bring the community of Jacksonville together, and we want to showcase some of the good and positive things happening in Jacksonville. Um, I think that, um, and I'm not putting, like, not using 904 for this example, I'm using a lot of like other things that I've seen through other like pages or other accounts, mm-hmm. preferably like BuzzFeed. Like, yeah. I mean, if, if, you, if you walk through the public's like, checkout line, you see like all these tabloids on the corner, like yeah. this, this guy caught in scandal or... Reminds me of like the Snapchat news page too. Those oh, are the yeah. worst. <laughs> Those are the absolute worst. Yeah, I followed like one comedian on Snapchat and now mm-hmm. like all of my like recommended stories like have a bunch of like just like random things. Yeah. And most yeah. of them are like, and honestly this gets me like to the main topic and that's like sex sells and like mm-hmm. almost everything I see is like so sexualized or yeah. so like sensualized mm-hmm. and that that's a call to action that needs to change and that's what my photography is all about like I, my goal is not to capture you with cleavage or like and like most of my clients are women and like mm-hmm. my, my goal is like to show you that you are beautiful without need to take your clothes off yeah and I mean it goes back to my faith and my basis on it but um one of the things the, the words I heard was like if like someone wants you for your body and they date you for your body you're gonna lose them for your body yeah your body is not forever like you it's true happen and I just my, my goal is to show you how beautiful you are without needing to take your clothes off that's what I think so trying to kind of counteract that unfortunate norm that of the sex selling in media. And if you looked at my page like, on Instagram and my photography, you would see that I try not, I, well, I don't do anything along that way of, um, of sensualization. I yeah. I, at least I don't, I don't post anything like that. My, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to bring someone else like to, to me in that same way. Actually, most people in my DMs right now are only fans of women. Really? <laughs> a lot, like the unanswered DMs at least. Like, yeah. Like, I'm sorry, I don't do that. Probably for the best <laughs> not answering those ones. Exactly. It's, has the potential to go sideways. <laughs> well, um, one of the things, I don't know if you knew this, um, but like my tattoos like all share a story. And like I have several of them like from different countries. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I see a Chinese one there. Yeah, from Ta- is that is that Chinese? Yep, this is ta- this is ta- Chinese from Taiwan. Cool, I, that's my first one. But like, for example, even my ring has a story to it, and like I've chosen to remain virgin until I'm married, and that's been a trip. As I'm, like, what's called? I was aware of this. Yeah, my career's gone away. It will gone down. Like what's called a lot of like different like conversations and like a lot of like almost close calls. Is like my goal is like to wait until marriage and give it mm-hmm. to my wife. But that brings up a lot of great conversation because then people are like. 
Why? <laughs> right. It's it's a it's a less common thing these days. So I mean, I, I feel like people want to get into that and like find out what's behind it. What is what would you say is kind of the main driving force for you, or maybe some of the main driving forces? I would guess definitely the faith is a big part of it, right? Mm-hmm. Is that the leading kind of cause for you, or are there some maybe like more acute variables that really factor into that decision for you? It, it was it was the spark that I needed to make the decision. I bought, and this shows you how like small my hands like have been like, throughout <laughs> the years. But I bought this ring for myself when I was twelve years old. Still fits. <laughs> <laughs> but um, un- unfortunately, it um, well, not unfortunately, but like through like I, I made that decision when I heard, ta- heard my youth pastor talking more and more about like how he met his wife and such, and they have an amazing marriage, and I love, mm-hmm. I love seeing it. And um, so kind of a role model for you early on. He was, and then but as as it continued on the way, and as I did more research, and as I was in Portugal, even listening to these podcasts, I love talking and hearing about relationships and about uh, not about people's relationships, but how like you can thrive and survive in a relationship. So yeah. I I love hearing that kind of stuff because I want to apply those aspects like to my future relationships mm-hmm. and or relationship, the main one. Too. Yeah. But like I I see sex as such an important thing. Mm-hmm. I, I see I see any kind of like any kind of like intimate like moment with someone like in that way as a bonding factor. I yeah. I, I really do believe like that from one, I don't think you ever forget your first. And also I think that I think that you always be bonded to your first like, person you ever sleep with. Mm-hmm. Because I think that that's a very it's it's a chemically it's a clinically proven thing, like scientifically that you you, you, there's a bonding there. Sorry, I don't know how to put it in exact words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. And th- is that something you kind of discovered in your research, like the scientific stuff behind it? It, it was, but also like, there were, like a lot of testimonies and stories. Like, I mean, I wasn't, right. a- I'm not asking Christian people these questions. I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. on these photo shoots, I ask a lot of like people who are atheists, who are Catholic, who are um, Buddhist, like in anything, like, people who I have, most people aren't waiting until marriage and they've already shared it. They, they shared mm-hmm. it pretty openly, which is awesome. Yeah, but like I hear a lot of stories about it. And one of the things that really like brings me to it is like it, it almost gets like more and more decentralized. Like as it's happening, it just becomes like more and more common that it gotcha. happens like on a daily. I don't want to speak as a hypocrite because sometimes my like my language like it comes across as a way of like encouraging these stories. However, like my goal is to learn it. Like yeah. I, I want to understand like what you're going through and what you see it as. Well, I like what you said about talking to people from all different kind of walks of life oh, and yeah. yes, really having a conversation. I feel like that's. I mean. That's really the the tying in factor of people who have different views on things, right? Is the ability to talk effectively with that and sit in possibly disagreeing on things, but not battle about it and just understand each other. One of the best conversations I ever had, it, it almost made this friend of mine a best friend through the way, like just like a very close friend, mm-hmm. through the way that we shared, we had different views on abortion and he, him and I had a conversation. And it lasted like three hours. But like in this conversation, like we didn't interrupt each other. Yep. We, we didn't like disrespect each other. We listened to each other. We provided facts on both sides. And then at the end of it, we both learned something about each other. But like we both didn't change our opinions. Remain in your opinion, but we're okay with it. But we grew so yeah. much as friends, like through that way of mutual respect. That's how I think we should be having conversations. I think we beat around the bush too much these days. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, I love talking about Portugal. I love talking about like my faith. I love this, but I think I think that these conversations that are real and intentional need to happen more. I agree. And through photography, I've been able to have these kind of conversations. I really like that. That's a perspective of photography I have not heard talked about deeply enough, but I feel like taking that approach with it and really seeing it as a door to really get into deep conversations, meet interesting people. I mean, that's, that's kind of the crux of why I like doing this. I mean, you get, you get deep, you get into really interesting conversations, just... 
within certain avenues of media and you get to learn things about people that are different from you and could influence you in positive ways and, and grow you as a mm-hmm. person. Or those listening. It could influence a lot of people. I mean, exactly. I'm sure anyone listening right now probably has their own opinion, and that's totally okay. And I love that. I would, I would encourage that, to have your own opinion. I would also encourage you to do facts and do research on what your opinion is. Yeah. I mean, through my faith. And be willing to test it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And through, through my faith, like, I didn't become a Christian, really. I, I don't think I accepted, like, my faith until I did research on it, too. And, like, I just found, like, I found so many witness accounts, manuscripts, and, like, different, like, accounts of, like, history to point to a fact where there was a man named Jesus Christ who died. Again, who was who lived and who had died, and who was seen again. I found so many witness accounts to this way that, like, I was like, okay, so this happened according to witness, these witness accounts. Like the same reason we believe Julius, Julius Caesar ever existed, mm-hmm. this happened with Jesus. So all I have to know, believe now, is that he did that for me, and like, he did that for us, and like that's what the gospel is. So like, I mean, if if my spiritual life is anything important to me, I'm going to research on it. Yeah, I'm going to look into it. And I think we should do it with a lot of other things too. Like, if you're going to have an opinion on something, why not look into it? Where do you think that perspective came from for you? Is that something you've always had as the, the, the need and the feeling that you need to do like deep research on any decision you make? Because I really like that perspective. Oh, but no, I'm lazy. You're lazy? I'm so lazy. And it's so where bad. do you think that came from? Um, it, it, it really sparked from, um, from that first thing like, of looking into my, like, my spiritual faith. And mm-hmm. that's why I went to a Bible school after I did this research. I was like, I want to learn more about this. And that was, that was like the kind of first big like research endeavor that you feel like you took it really was one day of me saying okay i'm not gonna watch netflix right now on my phone i'm gonna do a little bit of research and that sparked the interest like doing like maybe 15 minutes of like like almost like boring like was like looking up and like finding a a correct like a like source like that was the first boring 15 minutes the next like i'm 23 now so the next like eight years as it like went along like i found more and more about why like i believe what i believe i found more and more about like okay this is fact. This is a witness account as well. But then I also found like a lot of like other people who are like just so connected through this and way areas of the world that like almost you, you would have never heard the same message yet. And as I've traveled, I've met so many people with the exact same mindset and same beliefs that like I've never met who have never met any other Christians. I mean, I've been to Dominican Republic, Taiwan. I've been parts of Canada. <laughs> and then like, I've, I mean, I've been to a lot of like really amazing spots. And through this, like a lot of these areas are very secluded, especially in like some of the places in Spain that I went to. And to have people there who like believe the exact same thing is it's uh, it's encouraging and it's also almost like confirmation. I'm like, okay, there's a movement here happening and I want to I want to be a part of it. Very cool. But yeah, to answer your question on research, I I, I do. Sorry, I started then I got. Oh uh, no, no worries. Tangents are welcome here. Yeah, but uh, to answer your question on research, that sparked it. That sparked mm-hmm. it, and to this day, like I mean, when I exercise, I want to make sure I'm doing the correct things. Yep. I mean, when I'm when I'm dieting, I want to make sure I'm eating the right things. If I'm living, doing things the right way. And if I'm living, I want to make sure I'm living the right way. So why not? Why not? My life, my spiritual life matters so much more than anything else. Like, so yeah. I love that. Well, switching gears a little bit, I want to talk a little bit more about the photography and and that whole aspect, the media side of everything. What do you foresee as being like the next couple of years for your career within photography? What do you, what are maybe some things you would like to get out of it? Some ways you'd like to grow? Have you thought much about that? And maybe, maybe some specifics around that? Um, when I was asked as a kid, what do I want to be when I grow up? I said, I want to be a photographer <laughs> and really all I, the way back as a kid. I said that because photographer was a big word and I wanted yeah. to seem impressive. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and then as that went on, I think I told my aunt that when I was a kid, so she gave me a camera. 
I was like, I was kidding. Yeah. (laughs) I used that camera. I took a few really bad photos of like the woods behind my house, but I was like, whoa. Yeah. When I bump the saturation up, that looks cool. (laughs) Wow. So you were getting like deep into the details from a young age. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, I love to look back on like, like what starts it. That's my, that's my origin story. I want to see what, what caused it. And that caused a lot of like sparking. It sparked a lot of like ways. And then, um, as I, your question about was like what I said. Okay, so when I was a kid, I said photographer. As an, as a young adult right now, if you ask me what I want to be when I grow up, I'm growing up now, I say I want to be a dad. Like I want to be a father. I want to have a family. I want I want to make an impact on the world, but I also want to make an impact with my family. Mm-hmm. So my goal is to pursue a career that, and I'll preferably be in like creating content, yeah, in a creative way. But like my goal would be pursuing a career that helps me also support a family and it helps me support others. So I want to use photography. I want to be teaching. I love, love being a leader. I, I love giving. I, I love giving advice, and I sometimes I give too much for free. But I, I don't care. That's that, that, that's the way the world is supposed to be made. Like my goal is community over competition. I, I want us to get united okay. instead of like against each other. So I'll sh- like anyone who texts me on Instagram saying, "Would you take this photo?" I'll immediately send you the location. Yeah, that's okay with me. If you ask me, Eli, how are you working this job? I'll tell you. You have to have be okay to have these common conversations. It's the abundance mentality. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's all about it's all about who you know. It's also about what your effort is in knowing people. That's a that's an interesting talking point as well. Um, what are some ways that that you've kind of leveraged your connections and your network to help kind of expand your efforts in photography? Because I feel like that's a huge part of it for the industry, right? That's an amazing question. And I do, I'll give you two stories real quick like that actually, actually help you explain that. Yeah. When I first photographed the Jaguars, the day before I photographed the Jaguars, I was photographing um, Terry Parker High School, like their football team. Mm-hmm. And I remember that, like, uh, I think it was um, your what's happening. No, it's not that one. There was there was a network that came to ten, that, that in Jacksonville. ITG Next was, was doing a, a segment there as well. I sent my photos into them and didn't charge them for it. I was like, if you guys want to use them, I would love to have my photos used. That way people could see them. Yeah. <laughs> and they liked the photos and they said, thank you for sending those in. We want to give you a pass for um, a Jaguar game coming up. I went to the Jaguar awesome. game and um, Andy will tell you like all that, like <laughs> he liked the Jaguars yeah. way more than I did, but yeah. he, was, he was upset that I went <laughs> like, <laughs> I, 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 in a good way. But as we went to the, um, the, as I went to the game, I took photos. I tried my very best. I had the smallest camera on the field. Only guy with one camera too, <laughs> but um, yeah. the shots that I took. Because I was talking to people too. I mean, I had a conversation with Josh Lambeau, with Gardner Minshew, mm-hmm. and with Nick Foles. That's and awesome. First I, time out. I probably wasn't allowed to do that, but I still like. I was like, look at this photo of you. Yeah. <laughs> and like, then like, I remember. So I, I'm sure you were hyped. Like mm-hmm. you're in this like whole new area, doing something like a professional football game. Yep. It had to be exciting. And then I tell you what I did. I watched one of the um, the NFL photographers go to. I saw, I saw like two of them go to the same guy and talk to him on occasion. So I went to that guy. Turns out he is, he controlled the media and the aspect of like like people on the team photography and videography. Okay. I talked to him. I got his email and I sent him my photos. Yeah. At the end of the um at the end of the game, I, I made sure that I was the fastest one finishing editing. I got all these photos done like in a record time. Stayed up really late. Yeah. In the morning, he had all those photos, and he had, it was probably about two hundred and fifty. Wow. <laughs> I didn't just take photos of the players. I took photos of the cheerleaders and the fans in the stand. Mm-hmm. The best photos were the fans in the stand. That's that's interesting. I like that actually. I wouldn't have thought of that. That was a that was a new take for him, and he he gave me he gave me a pass to come back when I wanted to, and so I did more Jaguar games because of that. But go back to the root of this whole like what started the segment mm-hmm. is like that started because I was willing to give my photos to someone to let them be seen. I wanted my work to be seen, and then I had pride in my work because also I was like I want 
I want to I want to move up with this. I, I want to meet more people. I want to talk to people. And I networked my way to sending it to like one of the head guys for the marketing with the Jaguars. He put my photos there. And since then, like, I mean, my photos have been posted. They've been shared. They've been given. And I, I'm so, I mean, we just finished a big UFC event, actually. And like, um, honestly, how was that? It was great. But I didn't, I didn't, I did not send, that's a good point, too. I didn't send any of those photos to like the, the media woman in charge. Um, I did, but I, um, I didn't see anything, ha- I, any fruits out of those labor. So I went to every single Instagram of every single fighter that I photographed. I found the team that sponsors that, that, um, that fighter. And this was about, it was about 15 fighters that I photographed. And so it was about, I went through about 45 contacts and I made personalized galleries in my, in my um, photography website um, for each of these fighters. And I sent them to all these people. Wow. I said, if you guys do, I sent them for free. I said, if you post this, please share and please tag me. Like, and out of, out of about, like, cause so far about 16 people have, have posted my photos. Like, well, yeah, no, sorry. 13 out of the 15 fighters have posted my photos. And only one of them has not tagged me. Really? But like wow. everyone else has. Yeah. Including one of the champions for like the lightweight division for the featherweight championship. So it's been awesome. Like to like to like see like the fruits of like reaching out and networking and getting yeah. a conversation. And Absolutely. That's how more opportunities come up too. And being willing to provide your service for free and just just to get it out there and spread the word and and raise awareness of what you're doing. I mean it got you in a couple massive events that many photographers I'm sure would love to get into, but because you were willing to just kind of extend the hand, give out some free content, it got you in those doors that could bear huge fruits later. Mm -hmm. So I I'd like to touch on the nine to four happy hour thing too. You're doing that right now. Could you explain a little bit about your position there and how that works? I know you'd said you're kind of responsible for content with them, but what does that kind of look like on a day-to-day basis? And actually, maybe let's take a step back and kind of explain what 904 Happy Hour is for any listeners who might not know. For sure. So um, it's not a paid promotion. Got to make that clear. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I work, I, like, honestly, I work for 904 Happy Hour because I love what they're doing. Like, I mean, I, I have other places like, I could go or I would want to go, but I really like like the people who manage it, the people who run it, and the people who are their their job and their goal is to is to increase is to increase the knowledge of those at Jacksonville and what's happening in the weekend. They want to increase the community like closeness as well, and I yeah. love that. But like, what they do is they post um they post stories and and post on different activities happening in Jacksonville, different new restaurants to visit, um, different like like nonprofit organizations, and they just like post feel good like, entertainment too i mean it's good to have that in a world where we keep seeing posts about like what's happening online and like i get that that's almost like like being hypocritical of like what i said earlier about how we need to make sure we're not straying from the, like, the, like the things that we also need to be having our attention on but like it's all community is important and it's all about community i feel like that's a it's a good angle to have because it's it's literally building community building people up and building all the activities up around that. Oh, for sure. And yeah. So, yeah, through 904 Happy Hour. So my position with them is I, I help create content and videos and photos. I mostly cool. just do videos on my phone and I do photography. Ooh, that's your phone. <laughs> I do photography <laughs> through, um, like with my camera and sometimes with my phone. But um, yeah, I, I, my level with them right now is very freelance. Um, cool. I, I'm part of the team in the way of, uh, I, I, I want to go to events and capture it for them. Mm-hmm. You know, so I really don't post as much. I send my content in to be posted because we have a great team there that their goal is like to, to put it out there in the most professional and high quality way. Yeah. So I let them do that while I just want to create the content. 
And sometimes it'd be a little much for me if I was going to about three events a day and I was also posting and I was also mm-hmm. like, what's going on? Making sure I was, I was tagging the right people. So right. we have a whole team for it. And that's my favorite part is like, very I, cool. I, I don't like working solo. I love working with the team mm-hmm. and I've been working solo for a long time. So I'm, it's a really big blessing to have that. Yeah, it's got to be nice to go from working solo and doing everything on your own to being able to focus on specifically the parts of it that you love the most, Mm -hmm. which is doing the actual photography, catching those moments and everything. And networking. And networking, yeah. I love that. I mean, great conversations. Just yesterday, I was at TPC Sawgrass for an event called Taste of Golf. Mm -hmm. I mean, I ran into some amazing people there. And just great conversations emerged. I mean, my favorite one, I think, was with a woman who used to work for National Geographic. And wow, she she did photography and videography for them, like in the Arctic. And like, and I was like, can I go next time? Yeah, yeah, that would be some amazing photography to catch. I'm sure. Oh, yeah, it, very unique. She was so cool. She's like a great stories that we just talked a little bit about it. And right now, she wants help with her church. Actually, who's doing like videos and photos for their worship team. Like, there you that, go. That's a networking opportunity. Another opportunity. Yeah. Opportunity for I, I say networking opportunity. It sounds like a business term. I don't mean that when I say networking opportunity. I say that's an opportunity for more community, for more organization, mm-hmm. for more ways of like us helping each other out, working together. Yeah, I love that. I mean, Andy and I, we just um, we're talking about helping this program called Here Tomorrow. It's a nonprofit organization that does. Uh, I want to actually get them on the podcast. Uh, it's a nonprofit organization that does free therapy for those who can't afford it, like in terms of like who are struggling with suicide. That's awesome. Like like depression. Yeah. They provide that service for people. And it's not like next month. It's like, if you're suffering right now, we're going to do this as soon as possible. We're going to have this conversation either tomorrow with a professional therapist. You can talk to me right now. Mm -hmm. I love that. And that is fantastic. You know how I met the guy who was in charge of that? Some event, I would guess. I was taking a photo on the roof of a building. Wow. And he was up there smoking a cigar with his dog. (laughs) And I was, and I was just, instead of me just like saying, Beautiful sunset, huh? <laughs> like, yeah. I went up to him and said, "So, what do you do, sir? What is your what, what? What do you what are you passionate about?" I learned this whole man's story and like what I missed my sunset photo, but I didn't care. <laughs> like the moment made I made a great with, connection. Yeah. The moment I had with him was way more beautiful. We talked about like his experience. We talked about all this, and it, it was a great it was a great story. It's a great example for sometimes it's okay to put the camera down and have a good conversation. And I feel like that transfers over to whatever you're doing, whatever industry you're in. I mean. Really, any any growth in any industry is very predicated on who you know, what your connections are, your network. And I feel like, you know, being willing to just look for those connections and be curious, genuinely curious and enthusiastic about making quality, deep connections is always going to serve you well, no matter what you're doing. Mm-hmm. For sure. Whether it be your work, your personal life, anything, your spiritual life, it's always going to serve you well. People are my passion, man. I mean, that that is why I do what I do, and that's why I will continue doing what I do. That's awesome. I want to get more and more involved. What would you say, um, kind of switching gears again, I like to ask this you know, for any industry, what are some things that you maybe wish you would have known going into the industry or would tell someone to do differently than what you did when you were first getting into the industry for someone who's first starting out in this? Man, a good or question. maybe thinking about getting into it. Good questions. I like Thanks. that. Because um, I, I can give you an answer straight up. And the first thing that comes to my mind is um, be okay with paying for a teacher. I mean, you could graduate from YouTube University or you could graduate photography in college. Um, I couldn't speak much on the college of photography, uh, f- photography in college because I didn't do that. But mm-hmm. I am a proud graduate of YouTube University. Yep. <laughs> and I can tell you this. I learned way more in a session with a teacher than I did in YouTube. I learned so much. And I mean, I, I paid a local photographer here 
uh, $200 for a, for a, a session with him just to like, and he helped me set my camera up. He helped me, I show, he showed me how to edit, he edits photos. He showed me how he shoots people, like in the photographs and it captures them in the light. Now we have a different method. However, I learned so much from him. Yeah. And the, the information that I gained from $200, I honestly believe was almost priceless. It was worth way more than that. Was that someone that, that found you or was that someone that you found that you were just like, Hey man, can you just help me learn this thing? I'll pay, I'll pay you to help teach me, but I can just tell that you know how to do this and I'm looking to learn how to do this. I got left on red a lot because I sent a lot of photographers messages. I said, Hey, I, um, I like the people you're shooting. I like the work you do. Can I please learn from you? Yeah. And because I didn't put a price in there, no one responded back. <laughs> I was like, I don't really want to pay, but I guess I'll pay. The first guy said, I would like to pay you for your time. He saw that I valued his time. Yeah. We, we got to be okay with paying. Absolutely. For information. I mean, it's okay to have like a good conversation to share information. I think we should be sharing information, but you got to make a living. You got to like put value to it. Exactly. I, I could honestly sell one of my sessions of photography for $30. But I guarantee you that person will value my that session more if they pay 200 for it. It's instead. very true. Yeah. You got to put a value to it. Yeah. And if you put the right value to it, I mean, the, the quality of the work is just going to be there. It's going to be much higher. Okay. They're going to be, I mean, I'm sure that guy feeling valued in his time and in his work really, really gave you a good teaching session and got oh, yeah. deep into the weeds because he felt so valued. I honestly think I only paid him to help me set my camera up and show me a few tips. Mm -hmm. And he ended up spending about four hours with me sharing with me. That's awesome. And like, th th I think that just showed, went more over the fact of like, not only was he getting paid to do it, but also like we were having a great, we were having great conversations. Yeah. I mean, it's okay to not talk about photography during some of that time. Because while he set my camera up, we talked about life, talked about the relationships. Great times. I really, really enjoyed that. So it sounds like the takeaway from kind of what you were talking about there is, you know, really no matter what industry you're in, when you're first getting started out, or even if you're just trying to reach a little further, grow a little bit in the industry, the takeaway is find someone who has done it before, someone in that industry who knows how to do what you would like to know how to do. And rather than just trying to look it up on your own, I mean, that, that can work. That can be an effective strategy, like we talked about the YouTube University. But if you really want to speed that up, a really effective way to do that is to find that person, find that connection, and give them a reason to teach what they know. Give them, show that, they, that you value their time, maybe compensate them, maybe offer them something else in return, just to give them a reason to teach what they know. And... Another thing that I really liked about that on that note is I feel like that's a really good way to find potentially a mentor in the space. I mean, if you really hit it off with this person, you, you're probably going to get a lot of value and learn a lot from them. And you also might find a mentor out of it, too. Oh, for sure. For sure. I, I mean, there's been gentlemen who have and women who have messaged me on Instagram several times, asked me questions of what I've done. And like I said earlier in the interview, like, I mean, I'm, I'm all about like giving, I'm not about hiding secrets. There are certain things I would like to be valued for. And like, I mean, I would appreciate like to be compensated for. However, like if it's just like a quick question on Instagram or if it's something like, if I meet you in person, you're like, what, my, what should my setting be? Like, I'll happily tell you like what it should be. Um, but like, even like those like little like, conversations, they've established a great like continuation of a, of a relationship. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's, there's, there's people like online. Actually, I just um, hired a guy for, to help me um, cover an event that I won't be able to attend this weekend because I will be out of town. And he started, him and I started like our friendship or our mentor mentee relationship just by him asking me a question. Yeah. 
you got to have boldness to ask questions, but do do understand like if you like if you go back to the main question, which was, what would I do differently? I would have valued that person's time more when I was starting off. Yeah, and it's now as I'm like a teacher, even though like three years ago I was like the opposite, like I was like a student. Like I can tell you now, like I give a lot more whenever I'm valued for my time. Yeah, you know I mean it makes a lot of a lot of sense. It really does, and you probably, I mean, when someone is going out of their way to value your time, you probably see a lot of drive out of that person too. It's, it's very clear that that person has a lot of drive and to you, someone with the, the value to give them, it makes a lot of sense to give it to someone who's showing the drive and showing the motivation to really grow in that space because you know that they're going to use that information that you give to them wisely. And yeah, and I, I would even say like, I, mean, I don't want to go into a tangent of saying how to be a good student, how to be a good friend or how to be a good, I don't know, future... I think wife. it's a good tangent. But yeah, I mean, like the, the way is like you don't want to be on your phone. You want to be giving them all your attention. Like, yeah. what if I was doing this podcast with you and I was occasionally answering your question as I was texting like someone else? I think it'd be very surface level. We wouldn't yeah. really get much out of it. Yeah, the worst day I was ever on was like with a girl who was on her phone most of the time. Yeah, she, she was on Instagram or she, she was scrolling on TikTok at one point. And I was like, I don't think you want to be here right now. Yeah, and right now you're making me not want to be here anymore. Exactly. I want I, if you if you get the opportunity to be with someone, whether you pay them or not, give them all your attention. Take notes. Like, I mean, I feel like I feel very valued when someone is like keeping like a reminder, no, like a shit of notes whenever I'm sharing with them. Yeah. Like, I love that. I'm like, wow, okay, you want to remember this for later. And like, I took notes when I was doing my, my lesson. And I think my, my, my mentor, I think that he valued that. Yeah. And like, I mean, it just, it just makes a big, it makes a big difference. I mean, when I, when I do nine for happy hour events, um, I go and I meet with, um, with the, um, the founder of nine for happy hour quite often. His name is Charles Wagner. Him and I will have a conversation about what he wants covered, how he wants it to go, how he wants it to go through. And when he's doing that, he'll say, I want photos of um, people with their friends, the speakers, the speakers with their family. He'll give me an example and a list. And while he's doing that, I'm running it down. So like extreme attention to detail. That's actually something I kind of accidentally glazed over there, but I did want to get kind of deeper on that. I I really like the idea of that process, like the extreme attention to detail that you're wanting to get, that you set the intention to get going into those events. That's how you make it as a photographer, Brody. Like if I were to tell you this, I'd say attention to detail and what your client wants having a good detail in your photography and not just like in terms of like, make sure you have enough megapixels. I mean more like having enough detail in your, um, is the person, are you saying smile or are you making them smile? Like have detail in that photo, create Mm -hmm. a memory for that person, create an experience for that, for your customer and for your client. That way they come back to you. You're going the extra step. Yeah, exactly. Like detail is all about it. Like a a photo has a lot of detail. It's almost determined to be a good photo by the amount of detail it has in it done in the proper way. But then again, like the amount of detail you're taking in and you're expressing, like that can that that's that's your that can evaluate how people think of you, your reputation, your testimony. So. And it's gonna leave a lasting impression that will really ultimately spread word of mouth because if someone has a great experience with you no matter what you're doing, if they have a fantastic experience, it's gonna leave a great taste in their mouth. They're gonna tell their friends you're going to be top of mind when someone asks them if they know a photographer because they just had a fantastic photographer do something for them. And you see, stand out in a field where many aren't. This, this is, you have an, if you're a photographer right now watching this or listening to this, like you have a job right now where you have an amazing in to a lot of events. I have no degree. Me, Eli, I have no degree. 
I, I have I spent the last two years where no one heard my name really. I mean, I was I've been gone for a long time. The first week I was back, I went on tour with one of the biggest Christian bands like that, that goes around, like one of the biggest like areas because I talked to people, I got involved, and I took my my work spoke for itself, mm-hmm. and that was that was very helpful to do. Like I mean, I, I didn't not just my work speak for itself. I spoke for myself. Yeah, like I I made connections. I talked to people when I was at events. You have to be okay with getting out from behind your camera. Don't hide behind your camera as a fourth wall. Like get involved more and more and more of conversations. Because you're, there's no way to stand out if you're just staying behind the camera. Exactly. So like I was saying earlier, like I mean, I have, I, ha- I don't have a degree. I don't have I, a lot of things that a lot of people have going into this. Um, but talking to people is so important. Yeah. And, and creating these opportunities for yourself. Like yes, there's more and more that come up. But how I got into 94 Happy Hour, which I don't think I shared that yet. But how I got into 94 Happy Hour was I had just gotten back into town, and this and, was really recent, right? No, uh, yeah, it's December. Yeah, mm-hmm. In December, when I okay. just gotten back, and I'm, I was in France for about two weeks and then I got went to New York City and then came here and that was my first time being home in a long time but when I came back I remember I, I spoke with Andy about if he had any opportunities for jobs let me know because I was looking for work and it's about to go back to being a waiter for a little bit of time but Andy said there was a, um, a $50 like job that was just looking for like an hour or two covered at an ugly sweater party at the bar now I, I, I don't get drunk I, I do so socially have a drink but I don't I don't my bars are not my scene mm-hmm. so I was like well this is nothing for me but we can do it because that's $50 or it's a, it's opportunity to get more involved. I didn't know it was for nine for a happy hour, but when I went there, I actually ended up repping them. And I, I, I did, um, did a good bit of photos for them at that, at that crawl. Now, even though it wasn't a high paying job, even though like it wasn't like a, um, it wasn't a huge concert or a big UFC fight. Like it was a, it was a bar crawl. I treated it like it was a UFC fight. I treated it like it was a concert. Cause it was a foot in the door. For something, it, it was it was me because I, I if you how do I put this in the best words? No matter what you're going, whatever what you're working at, make sure you're doing your best. That way, like at the very least, you're growing from it. Like let's say I didn't get paid for that all. Let's say that they like, let's say that like the worst thing happened. Let's say they they, they didn't pay me or like they the photos all got deleted off my camera somehow or my camera fell and broke in the ocean somehow. I don't know. Like let's say that happened. What did I gain from that experience? You grew. You learned how to not let your camera fall into the ocean <laughs> again. Or I tried my hardest. Mm-hmm. Like at that event, I did hard. I, I, I met new people. I talked to people. I, I had the experience that I did. Experience is priceless. So use all experience you have right now to the best that you can. Like take that opportunity. Take that. Take that. Take advantage of it. You know what I mean? And be all in. Be all focused. Exactly. That, that, that's the method right there. Be all in. Be all focused. Do your best, no matter where you're at, because eventually, whenever you're lifting a weight in the gym or when, when you're doing this, like, maybe you can't lift 20 pounds yet, like, or curl it, you know? But, like, eventually, like, you can do two or three or four, four or five reps. Then you can move on to a higher weight. You can go more and more. If you're, but if the way you do that is you're breaking down that muscle by pushing it to its limit. The same way you grow and you're going and, you're, and what, what, you're, what you're currently pursuing, keep going at your hardest because that's how you get stronger in what you're doing. That's how you get better in what you're doing is you're push, pushing yourself. Like, understand what rest is like. Understand how to take breaks. Understand when it's okay to move a little slower. <laughs> but, I mean, we were just talking about this today. Today I have a, um, a shoot for a local gas station where they're giving away rotisserie chickens. Oh, nice. But then tonight I have a big concert for Fetty Wap. 
don't deny jobs because I would say because like it, it, it sounds like lower. I mean, it really isn't. I, I, I worked for a company last night um, at TPC Sawgrass and just did some photos for their um, for their dinner and for their it was a fundraiser. And I met a woman from National Geographic. I, I met a, a man who speaks for the mayor on his behalf. Like I met some amazing like people at these events. Like there's there's opportunity all around you. Yeah. Just because the opportunity doesn't sound great when you first start it, imagine where it leads you. I'm in the position I am right now because I did a $50 ball, a bar photo shoot. Yeah. And I was in that position because I listened to a friend who wanted me to like, help him out and photograph for him. You know what I mean? Take advantage of that. Yeah. I love that. Be open to new experiences, even if they don't sound like exactly what you're looking for. Be open to it. Be ready to learn. Be ready to experience. Be ready to get deep have conversations, meet new people, make new connections, make them meaningful. I think that's a great perspective to have. That's what, that's what, that's what this is all about. We want to make sure we're continuing to strengthen the community. Yeah. Through connections, through my camera, and, and through everyday interactions. So I love that. Eli, thank you for being here. This has been Profession Session, where young entrepreneurs, business owners, and professionals come to tell success stories and how they got here. Hosted by Brody Vinson, myself. My guest has been Eli Elmore. Thank you for tuning in. And until next time, signing off. Thanks for watching Profession Session. I'm your host, Brody Vinson. You can find us on Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, or TikTok at Profession Session on all channels. You can also find my guest from this episode at the tag and details of this post. Stay tuned for new episodes and short little clips of deep dives into specific topics across all of our channels. If you know a young standout professional business owner or entrepreneur with a unique or interesting story, DM us anywhere and let us know and they may be the next to tell it here on Profession Session. Until next time, stay focused, stay hustling, and stay networking. This has been Profession Session.